1: What's good, LL Nation? Welcome in. It's the Lucky Lefty Podcast. I'm your boy, Sean Davis, at SD2Mikes, the Anora boys, as always, are in the building. We are brought to you by Anora Whiskey and that premium American whiskey at And if you're going to drink, by all means, make sure that you do so responsibly. Left is on his way. Just wanted to get you guys started. Today we're talking about Ranking the positions at Notre Dame. So this is going to be a two-fold conversation. You guys can participate. This might as well just be the LL question of the day. How would you rank the positions in importance? Once again, level of importance in the 2023 season. How would you rank each positions or position group on both sides of the ball and the level of importance for the 2023 season. We'll talk about that first. Then secondarily, we'll talk about projecting which position groups we believe will be the best performers in 2023. Which position groups will be the best performers in 2023. Next week, we're going to start a series where we basically take each position group and break down what needs to change for the veterans and what needs to be done for the newcomers and the group collectively. I think we're going to start with the linebackers, and we've already had them on as a guest, and you guys love them, so former Notre Dame linebacker Corey Mays is going to join us to break down the linebackers. And then we're going to have other former players coming on to break down the other positional groups as we head up to a month of March, which is going to be pro day, beginning of the first practices, beginning of the first group of visits by 24 and 25 kids to the campus. So it's going to be an exciting time in the month of March. But for right now, I want to get you guys ready for that. We're going to start building that. Of course, each Monday, we're going to continue to do our Back to the Future segment, going back next week on Monday, Back to the Future, the Cow game, which is where everything started to turn positively. for Notre Dame specifically in the second half. So that should be a really fun game to look back at and then project into 2023 what to expect from the 2023 fighting irish apple podcast spotify cfb nation in conjunction with irish breakdown all of our great content is available right there leave five stars leave your comments we would greatly appreciate it it's the lucky lefty podcast you already know we spin it different So, how would you rank the position groups? Roderick Blackman chimes in already. So, he goes D-line first in importance, then wide receiver, then linebacker, quarterback, cornerback, O-line, and running back. That's interesting. That's interesting. So, you got defensive line wide receiver, linebacker, quarterback, cornerback, offensive line, and running back.
2: Hmm.
1: I'm not mad at it, Roger. I'm not mad at it. So we're going to start with most importantly for next season is the quarterback position. And I think Marcus Freeman and the staff recognized that they had talented areas, right? Talent on the roster. We talked about this the last couple of days. There's talent on the roster. They just weren't a good team until the middle of the season. Middle of the season, they became a good team and learned how to play complementary football with what they had. Now they have a talented roster. And even with the talent, I still say Sam Hartman coming over with Tyler Buckner's improvement is the most important positional group. That's the group that can really elevate Notre Dame back to the college football playoff and can give them an outside chance in what one might call a more wide open landscape in college football. Because your Alabamas and your Georgias will have new starting quarterbacks. And we don't know how those starters are going to play out. Extreme talent, they could struggle. Ohio State, it's the same way. You have Michigan that's bringing back J.J. McCarthy. I expect Michigan with the soft schedule to once again welcome in the Buckeyes with everything on the line last Saturday in November and then possibly win or lose go on to the Big Ten Championship and have an opportunity to once again go to the college football playoff. When you talk about USC, it's hit or miss with them. Once again, I think everything or a great amount of their success is going to rest on the shoulders of Caleb Williams. Drake May, another top quarterback, just really don't expect North Carolina to do more than improve slightly, maybe on what they did last year and get to the ACC championship game. But I don't expect them to be in the running for the college football playoff. So quarterback's the most important. It really is. And I think that's why Marcus Freeman and the staff approached the offseason the way they did. And in doing so, you guys forgive my my little multi-poo friend back there, And in doing so, they did a great job of analyzing the situation and saying they don't want that position to keep them from being a better team moving forward. I applaud that. I thought it took guts. I really did. You know, because in position, like in the position that they were in, they could have rested on the fact the new staff, we just got in collectively in March. Give us time. You know, we'll go out, we'll recruit, we got C.J. Carr, they're expecting to have Dante Moore in the class, they end up with Menchie, and they just say, man, we're going to stack our guys, and we're going to build with our team, and focus on getting to the college football playoff in 2024, 2025. That's really the approach they could have taken, but there's an urgency, Within this program, there's an expectation within this program that starts at the top with Marcus Freeman, where he feels like this team and his roster can win now. And the only way to do that was to be more aggressive and go out and get a veteran signal caller, but still investing in the quarterbacks that you have on your roster Steve Angeli, Tyler Buckner. Now, this conversation took place with all of the quarterbacks. Before the end of the season, like they didn't even wait to the end of the season to sit down and talk to the quarterbacks. This conversation took place before the end of the season. And they let everyone know this is what we're doing. All right. More than likely, we're going to go. We are going to go to the transport portal and bring somebody in. And in doing so. Drew Pine decides to leave. He makes it up in his mind, you know what, it's better for me to leave. I put enough of a resume out on the field to feel like that I can go somewhere else in the power five, start, and build on my resume. He ends up at Arizona State. Arizona State gets a couple of transfer quarterbacks, and they're able to flip Jaden Rashada. I don't even know if you can call it an official flip because he was released from his letter of intent. But they land Jaden Rashada on National Signing Day. So, hopefully he gets a shot, a fair shot, and hopefully he continues to develop. Things are not that tough in the Pac-12, so he should be ready to go. Lucky Lefty Podcast. Fresh off the set of All-American, Mr. Hollywood himself.
2: What's going on, family? We're here once again.
1: So we apologize. We know Left is having issues with his computer. So yeah, I
2: know I gotta get my computer back, but uh I'm gonna get it fixed, and it's getting fixed. So I should have it back tomorrow.
1: So until then, bear with us. We're we'll working. Is it on still super
2: low or what? How we look? How we sounding?
1: It's just it's kind of like extra bassy. Interesting. Okay. Extra bassy, a little muffled. It is better today, though.
2: Okay, there we go. That's all we can ask for.
1: So, we're ranking the positions today, Lef, and the level of importance, the level of importance, and I didn't even need you to start with the number one position, level of importance. It's quarterback. That's why they went and got Sam Hartman. That's right. That's why they got aggressive. And we know they swung bigger than Sam Hartman in this process. Well, we know that for a fact. They swung bigger than Sam Hartman. They ended up getting Sam Hartman. So Notre Dame was very aggressive in this process of going to find a veteran leader at quarterback. And they end up getting Sam Hartman to commit to the program. Why was the quarterback position or why is the quarterback position the number one position of importance for 2023?
2: It's the number one position of importance because it is the final piece of the puzzle of getting to a championship tier where we can be effective at that level with the other championship tier teams. If you look at the playoffs, you look at the champions, the champion that wins every year, the quarterback is the X factor or a major part of the win. And for us, we had a great team surrounding a quarterback that couldn't take us the whole way there. He was able to be productive amongst really talented offensive players in a system that Tommy has been developing over some time, but he wasn't even planning on being the starter going into the year. We had our starter come back bowl game. and you got to see a little bit of what a season would have looked like uh, under a guy like Tyler Buckner. So with Sam Hartman being that additive to a cake that is already sweet, We're looking to really build with a guy that's accomplished, a guy that has a veteran experience, and a guy that's older. I think that's going to benefit not only the quarterback room, but the offense in general will look more mature out there, will be able to be more effective. And I think a guy like Sam Hartman is what Tommy dreams of at night, a guy that can get the job done, execute exactly what he wants in the game plan week to week, and he can be accurate. The only difference between Sam Hartman and Drew Pine as of now, because the jerseys are the same, is the fact that Sam can throw the ball down the field a little bit more. But in the last five years, we haven't had a passer over 3,000 yards or 3,100 because, you know, you can count the, the little insie-binsies to get over 3,000. But 3,100-yard pass that we haven't had in a long time. Sam has been able to do that every year at Wake Forest, damn near. And I hope he brings that effect to the offense that needs it for receiver room that got outgained by one receiver named Charlie Jones.
1: Can't say it any better than that, Lucky Lefty Podcast. So that's our number one position group level of importance is the quarterback position. Now this is probably where we start to differ because it was easy for us to say, you know, I'm, if I have spades in my hand, I'm throwing them out early left. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not saving what's good. So I'm stacking the deck. So for me, level of importance is the areas of strength. People might disagree. That's the way I look at it. Okay. Number two. Strength the strengths. The, number two for me is the offensive line. Ooh. They're going to set the tone. Often, whether it's pass protection or continue to dominate running run the ball and being even stronger at running the ball and resetting the line of scrimmage. That's what Marcus Freeman said. We're going to run the ball and stop the run. They've that's been right. able to do half of
2: that. Have, yeah, half. We've been able to do half.
1: They've been able to do half of that. Now, this year, can they do both? And that's what my two and three are going to come from. From what Marcus Freeman said, he wants his teams to be able to do. So number two for me is the offensive line. Well, who do you have at number two?
2: My my number two is the defensive line because I know the offensive line is our foundation. They were, they were my number five because they're the base. They're the bottom. They hold everything else at the top, like the number one spot, the quarterback. So they're five for me. But D-line is number two. A lot of it is because the trenches is what matters when it gets later in the season. Running the football becomes more important as it gets later in the season. For a D-line that's a little undersized, needs to add some bricks in the back of their pocket, but also needs to be more productive in the sack area. I think for us to be really keen on that, I think Al Washington has a tall order to be able to answer for Marcus Freeman, for them to be effective, because we know the linebackers in the secondary got better last year. But did the D-line get better, or did the D-line lose a 25-leading sack leader?
1: Mm-hmm. Mm. All right. I see you. I see you. Well, I'm going to go ahead and follow up with that. And D-line is number three for me. And that's just based upon what Marcus Freeman said his team has to be. He obviously had obviously has a vision for this team and what they're going to be when they win. He got his quarterback. They have to be able to run the ball. They got to be able to stop the run. That's one, two, three for me. Quarterback. Offensive line, and coming in at three for me is defensive line. Who do you have at three as far as level of importance or importance for your position group?
2: I have the uh, receivers. Mm. I have the receivers because it's, it's, it's stemming from us getting a quarterback that's capable, and our receivers have been a no-show for the past couple of years. Sam Harbin gives us no excuse why we can't have a production in the receiver room. The receiver room is hungry. And they need to be effective if we have any chance of making plays and being in the championship contention. Because as we've seen, even though the running games have been important, the receiver room and the the passing game is what really closes the deal on getting the points needed. You're going to need around 40 points to be in any playoff situation where you're looking to pull off a victory. And the only way you can do that in today's game is throwing the football. We have very capable receivers, but what are the receivers like as potential or the talent? What do we really have in the room? I know we have guys that were high school All-Americans and four and five stars, but what do we really have and how are they going to be uh, stretched and pulled and, and, and challenged? And and, and and how are they going to compete? Knowing the balls actually coming their way, I think you're going to see not so much of a 70-30 run pass, But maybe, uh, I don't dare to say 50-50, but maybe a 65-35 split.
1: Number four for me, I almost wanted to put them in number two. That's the defensive backs. I believe they have a chance to be dominant. This defensive backfield has an opportunity. If healthy, and if certain moves are made, transitioning people to safety to give them further depth, this defensive backfield has an opportunity to really be able to clamp down on the vast majority of the teams that are on this schedule. Like what wide receiver core won't they be able to clamp down on?
2: we going to have some challenges. We'll have some I
1: challenges. Think,
0: the I USC game
1: be- is going to be challenging because of Caleb. Being all getting out of the pocket and being able to make all schedule plays, and they have a nice group of wide receivers. We saw two of their freshmen in the bowl game against Tulane get loose and make big plays, so and they have other recruits coming in, so they're going to have talent. I don't really, the Clemson receivers don't really wow me, they're bigger, they're slower. I don't think we have we didn't have a problem defending them last year, I don't foresee that in 2023. Ohio State, they always have wide receivers left. So that's, that's nothing new. I thought Notre Dame covered them pretty well in the first game of the season in 2022. I really think they have an opportunity to loose the front seven. They can be that good on the back end that Al Golden can get really aggressive with the front seven and let them loose and help that young defensive line until they mature in the middle of the season.
2: The secondary, I, I definitely feel good that that they're the, that they are our last line of defense this year. I think it gives a great net for the front seven to add pressure. Gives it a great net to be able to uh stop the run game and and, and be more aggressive on playing the run, knowing you have a better playing secondary going in the next year, at least a more experience or more yeah. fear secondary, you know, guys are looking at it like they got a fifth year in cam who can blow out of uh, a blow up at any time. A young veteran and uh a, a, not young veteran but a young superstar and Ben Morrison who is somebody you gotta watch for. And then you got Jade Mickey. You got guys in the in the safety position that's gonna be filled with Xavier Watts. Guys that you gotta worry about. So I think uh the secondary at least gives us an intimidation factor that our D line may have to pull up from the rear this year, especially if we uh, can show we're being productive. So the secondary is a great uh, comfort for the defense going into next year. But I think the linebackers for me are going to be my fourth group because the linebackers I think have the most talent on the defense collectively in the room. And one of, and one of them is going to pop. I think one of them in that room is going to pop. I do think it's going to take a little bit of a hit not having a James Laurinaitis effect in the building, in the room as a recruiter, as an aide to Marcus <laughs> Freeman. Maybe Marcus Freeman plays a stronger role in the linebacker room and in and, and uh just because of the the attention that's needed, but you still got a veteran and experienced coach Al Golden and also Marcus Freeman uh doing a combo in that re- in that linebacker room. So the linebacker room, somebody's going to pop and be that, that new man uh, figure that we're looking for, or that new Jalen, or new Jeremiah Wusu coming down the pipeline.
1: I have the linebackers next. I'm going to step behind you with the linebackers, right? Because I expect the linebackers, just like anybody else, reps, which is why I love the early schedule being kind of soft leading up to Ohio State, which will give them an opportunity to get reps and get better. Kind of get their feet underneath them. I like that. So yeah, I'll put the excuse me, i put them fifth. They're they're fifth for me. Wide receivers come in sixth for me, bro. Because I, I have faith in the wide receivers, left. Like, we can talk about freaking Charlie Jones. I watched the Marshall game. And Six I'm like, pretty yo. pretty low, though. It is. Because I don't think, for me, I don't think it's going to be that important. Right? Because it's going to be heavy. It's going to be run, play action, deep shots. That's not to say it's not important, but I think the defensive backfield has a greater need, especially early on, because they need to help out what's in front of them and invert that. It's usually the front seven that helps out the secondary at Notre Dame. That's what we've been used to. This year, we're going to see the inverse of that, at least for the early part of the season, and then I think everything becomes complementary, and I think that's the vision that Marcus Freeman and the coaching staff have defensively. I'm not worried about the wide receivers, bro. I'm just not. I'm not. They well, had yeah, talent I'm last not worried year.
2: For having they were injured. Talent.
1: Yeah, they had they were injured coming out of fall camp. They were limited. Lorenzo Styles Jr. played the best game of his season against Marshall. They clearly came out with the game plan. We got to get the ball to Lorenzo. He had 11 targets. They came out saying, man, we're going to get him on end of rounds, quit screens, routes, flat routes, post routes. Man, we're trying to get the ball to Lorenzo. He's our playmaker. He's one of our best playmakers. And he had one of his best games, 79 and one run for 22 yards. And then Tyler goes down at the end of that game. At the end, mentally, I don't know if he checked out or he are. See, this is is what we have to recognize. You don't have to guess how good a dude is. The players already know. Before Drew Pine took a snap, the wide receivers already knew what the difference was between him and Tyler Buckner. They already knew. I'm not making an excuse. I'm just saying. For some, there was some reason that Lorenzo Styles went from that game to the next game, the drops, all of a sudden, because they started trying to get him the ball in a similar fashion in the first half against Kyle. It was clear that the game plan was get the ball to Lorenzo Styles, even in the third game against Kyle in the first half.
2: Absolutely, absolutely. And and you can tell the you like you were exactly right. Players know mm-hmm. if you on the team, you know. And the one thing that you knew is that it wasn't gonna be the same. Not that it was better, maybe not even worse, but the impact was not going to be the same. Lorenzo Styles knew from practice, Bray Lindsay knew from practice. <laughs> Michael Mayer even knew, from practice, this is not Tyler Buckner getting the that. Period. From a target standpoint, from where the ball is, from even the cadence, because he even got a couple false starts. Now, is he making the team better? I don't think Drew expected to play. And definitely not that early. So you're right. They knew it wasn't going to be the same. They acted like it, and our record showed it.
1: No excuse, though. As a player, you have to be locked in no matter who's under center or in the pistol or in shotgun, whoever it is. You You have to be locked in, especially when the offensive game plan is geared around you. And it really was geared around him. Second, you know, second game against Marshall in the first half against Cal. Man, once they just went strictly to the run or heavy run in the second half of the Cal game, after his drops in the first half, he just checked out for the entire season. Yeah. He just checked out and really didn't get it back. And salute to Marcus Freeman and the coaching staff staying with him. Staying with him. Staying on him believing in him telling him he was a big part of the program and they needed him and hopefully he started to come around the end of the season came around the bowl game a little bit and now he can build on that because he definitely showed promise he showed promise if you go watch that marshall game in the first half it's like oh man okay they've identified him as the playmaker
2: Absolutely, and the, the cool thing too is that he needs to start getting around Sam Hartman. That's the closest thing to a fresh start you can get instead of transferring and going to another team. Get with the QB, mm-hmm. and I think Sam Hartman has enough acumen, especially playing the position long enough, to know that Lorenzo Styles can be a key piece for him to have a lot of success this year. So, for the situation, Lorenzo Styles can really turn it around, provided he 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 attack it. But he's kind of a passive person in general.
1: Lucky Lefty Podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, also YouTube, Lucky Lefty Podcast. Subscribe, smash that like button. We appreciate it. Leave your comments. CFB Nation, a conjunction with Irish Breakdown. All of our great content. Leave five stars. We greatly appreciate it. Leave your comments. We respond to all. It's the Lucky Lefty Podcast. We spin it different. Who did you have at six left? Wide receiver was six for me, so. uh, Because you haven't gone defensive backfield yet.
2: I'd probably say our tight ends are six.
1: Well, I kind of grouped them with pass catchers, but okay.
2: I grouped them with the O-line.
1: Yeah, you could do both.
2: So they're my five and that's, six. I think. That's
1: pretty much what they are, extra linemen at Notre Dame, <laughs> unless you have a special one like Michael Mayer or Tyler Eifert, somebody like that. But yeah,
2: yeah, absolutely. Uh, the tight ends are six for me. I think they play a big part, like you said, in the offensive line, but also this the the yards that are unseen in the stat sheet that people are looking for. People are looking for the highlights from the outside receivers and the slots and maybe even the running backs. But the tight ends for us seem to be the uh, most impactful when it comes to drives that lead to touchdowns. And they're always going to be uh, an important factor because we still are tight end. you. Produced a great first-round tight end in Michael Merritt coming out this year. I can see the trend continuing with the type of talent we have on the roster right now. Sam Hartman, your best friend, is tight end. you. I think he'll get acclimated to it early and then expanding and started hitting outside of that, as the time comes.
1: I feel bad that I'm putting the running backs last for me, because there's a possibility we literally could have two 1,000 yard rushers at Notre Dame next year. But I, that, dude, when I tell you that's a group that I am not worried about under Dylan McCullough at all, like at all. Like and their level of importance, even though I put them at the bottom, is directly connected to the offensive line at two for me. So you, know, I could really, I really could have said offensive line slash running back at two, right? Because they're, yeah, running
2: back, they're running backs are my last because they are the most productive or unit on the team. So yeah, they're important, but from what needs to be. A productive unit before them. I will put all other groups before them because they are the most productive. So we had to invert the list. They'll be most important. But from what is most important of what we need to change for next year, running backs will be last. Because I don't. We only getting better. We got Darian Price coming back. We got some running backs coming in, mm-hmm. and we got some running backs that are older with a good year coming. they coming off of, so definitely not worried in that department. And you said it right. The offensive line is going to be moving furniture around for. Them.
1: Man. Moving furniture like crazy. And I think when we get to the other side of this conversation, we talk about ranking the position groups. As far as our prediction for performance, I think now you're going to see running backs jump to the top of the list. Like easily jump to the top of the list. Our confidence in the performance that we're going to see from these position groups. I definitely think for both of us, running back would probably sit in the top three easily.
2: Running back sitting at the top three, of course, just because I think that they have a lot of potential to be, uh, like you said, a thousand yard rusher. And for an offense that's committed to the run, I think that'll make our life a lot easier late in the season, but also uh, establishing drives to give our defense a break and potentially just wear on other teams' defenses. Open up that past name, son.
1: Lucky Lucky Podcast. So with all of that being said, I will like to point out that what we lost and what we will be missing, in my opinion, those shoes will be filled in different ways, not similar ways, but different ways. We know moving forward that the offense more than likely would not be as tight end centric in the passing game as it was the previous three seasons. Now, with Sam Hartman, his experience, you might be looking at some four wide receiver sets.
2: Yeah, I mean, you're going to get a multiple array of what Tommy really likes to do as offensive caller, and that's being creative. Sam Hartman, being as experienced as he is, is going to be able to uh, handle the amount of things that Tommy is going to want to throw into the offense, especially if their relationship is good enough to where they're seeing eye to eye. I mean, he already looks like Tommy back there, so I think that they're gonna have a nice powwow in the QB room every week, scheming up different, you know, ways to attack their defenses. But it's important though of how Sam adjusts and reacts to it. It's one thing to like a lot of things that you want to do, but how are you executing it on a one year contract, I think it takes time with everything. So if they can find a way to minimize the curve of getting the team chemistry and getting adjusted with what you like to do and call for a one-year basis, I think it can give Tommy a lot of credit for what he's able to put together in these last two or three years of guys that have been in and out at that QB position.
1: Yeah, it should be interesting. It's definitely going to be a task to see how a run-centric offense that we expect with the running back room they have, with the experienced quarterback that they have, and the temptation of Tommy to go ahead and pull a Jack Cone Fiesta bolt, <laughs> especially if things are looking really good in the spring but between the wide receivers and Sam Hartman. I, I I can see Tommy being tempted, especially against that soft schedule early, to throw the ball more than they run it.
2: Yeah, he's going to come out swinging. I think he, he understands who we're going against, and he's probably looking at it like, man, I'm not about to waste no time You know, giving away what we really want to do as an identity, I'll treat it like the Fiesta Bowl because I know we're going to run up numbers. I'm going to get the people talking about how we look so good throwing the football against these teams that are, you know, not the same competition level. But you're going to see a lot of Sam Hartman early, and people are going to think this is the greatest transfer ever. Uh, A lot of success in those first three games. And then I think in the Ohio State game, which is the fourth game of the season, you're going to see the real Offense come out and you're going to see a lot of handing off and RPOs and play action. But the first three, you're going to get a lot of receiver highlights. I'm hoping and expecting.
1: Lucky Lefty Podcast. Happy to hear from Mobile that Jared Patterson had a much better second day. And it started to live up to his preseason ranking. Uh, Being a late first round pick. Had some. You know, those one-on-one reps, man, at the the senior bowl have to be – that has to be some of the most nerve-wracking reps that anyone takes. Like this is literally like you put so much on tape for three or four years and then you get in front of all these executives and coaches and it's a one-on-one against another really good player in front of everybody. And now it's like the practices are nationally televised on NFL Network. And it's like, yo, this is crazy. But his second day was vastly improved, and then Isaiah Foskey left. He continues to flash 6'5", 260, just a prototype modern-day linebacker, four, three, four-down linebacker in the NFL. That's what he is. He can drop in coverage. He can run, chase down running backs, chase down wide receivers on screens, and then rush to pass it. So both of them had incredible second days. It's great to hear.
2: Yeah, just Notre Dame as individual players out there doing their thing, making an impact because your coaching is what's going uh, – in, in technique is what's going to stand out of in a combine and all-star scouting combines like that. And you're going to show – and, and Jared Patterson reached in his hair. he stand back, pulled out some of them techniques he learned and put them to use had a better second day and Isaiah Foskey being a sack leader all time, you know, I'm expecting him to do great things regardless.
1: Left. I want to, you know, because I know before we get over to the next topic, I know you are a culinary genius in a sense. (laughs) And you love to try different types of foods, you love posting different recipes, but I wonder if you knew this. And I said, I have to make sure Left knows about this. You've been to McDonald's, right Left? Yeah. I know Lil, Lil Leek has had some McDonald's. He probably, do, probably does the chicken nuggets right now.
2: Happy Meal. Happy, Happy meal. meal,
1: yeah. And in your travels, I'm sure at some point, you guys don't have to leave the Golden State for them to see Mickey Mouse. But if you want to go to Disney World at some point, you might hop on a plane and go to Orlando. Lef, did you know that Orlando has a gourmet McDonald's, bro? Mm. I didn't know this until yesterday. A gourmet McDonald's in the middle where you can get fresh-to-order omelets, fresh-to-order hamburgers, pizza, pasta, seafood. They have a bakery section inside the McDonald's. And it's an actual McDonald's, bro, in Orlando. Never knew about it. It's called the Bistro Gourmet at McDonald's. So if you ever go mm. down to Orlando, I know you and the family would absolutely love it.
0: Wow. I was today that's, years that's old when cool. I
1: found out about it. Heck yeah. I Look, the missus and I, that's where we went for our honeymoon. That's where we went for our honeymoon, dude. We spent seven days in Orlando. She's a huge Minnie Mouse, Mickey Mouse fan. And I yeah. knew she would love it. Uh, we stayed inside the resort, hit all the parks multiple times. She she had a ball. She had a ball.
2: Wow, that's pretty cool, man. A bistro ball and a Disney right there.
1: Man, so the next time I go, I'm definitely going to have to hit it. Because I was looking at the pictures, I'm like, yo, this is crazy. And it's been there for at least... I've been to Orlando and didn't know, right? So it's two spots that I know for sure. If I'm not mistaken, I know the one spot that I did hit, Michael Jordan's son has a shop in Orlando where he sells exclusive Jordans. They're like one of ones, never seen before, never been on the retail market. And like uh, he sells like memorabilia of his dad. And other things. I think he moved it though. I think he moved it to Miami. It was there for a long time. His son Marcus Jordan, who who played, who played at UCF down in Orlando. Yeah. That's right. He had that store down there. And I stopped by and actually went to it. That was about maybe five, six years ago. But I do believe he relocated that store. So check out the gourmet Bistro at McDonald's in Orlando LL Nation if you your family or your friends ever down there check it out as a as a fan of McDonald's the burgers look totally different if you look at the pictures bro like you've seen a McDonald's burger I was looking at the cheeseburgers they make there I'm like that's that's a little different
2: Really? That's
1: that's a different quarter pounder right there,
2: bro. The quarter pounder, not a, not the same.
1: <laughs> nah. Because it made fresh to order. That's right. So, they got the cheeseburger pizza. You can order all
2: types McDonald's. of McDonald's. What kind yeah. of pasta are they working with?
1: Well, it looked like the... Don't get me wrong, because I always get these pastas wrong the ziti is like the skinny macaroni right
2: oh okay
1: but this looks like more like rigatoni type pasta it's like macaroni style but it's a little bit bigger
2: i'm not trying that seafood though
1: yeah i I wouldn't necessarily try the seafood either bro
2: no thanks (laughs) but the pasta looks like fire though
1: I'm going to show you this, dude. I'm going to bring up the picture. I know people are like, come on, man. Like, look. I saw the pictures and I said, yo, I have to tell Lef about this spot. He would love this. I'm going. Oh, I'm definitely going. Yeah. So it's the gourmet bistro at McDonald's. You see right there, the pizza looks like a veggie pizza with like olives on top. That's the burger in the back, bro. That's not a McDonald's burger, bro. You
2: feel me? And that's McDonald's the problem. really, really trying to do something now. McDonald's is really trying to do something. That looked delicious. I'd eat that.
1: That's a man, that's a dope concept.
2: I mean, I think Wendy's would have a better one, though. So
1: if Wendy's went gourmet, you think they would have the best gourmet spot? That's a good question. LL question of the day. If a fast food restaurant decided to have a gourmet version of itself, or create a gourmet version of itself, which one would be the best?
2: And it gotta be Wendy's. That's a good question. Gotta be Wendy's. Because think about it, Wendy's already fresh, never frozen. (laughs) Now just imagine what they do with that frosty gourmet. They have a frosty Sunday.
1: Oh, oh, so now you talking about a gourmet frosty?
2: That they can do it. They burgers will probably be out of this world. They probably be like them uh, Ruth Chris steak burgers.
1: Hey, Jay Carr has something here. A gourmet Popeyes would be fine. You gonna
2: Popeyes soul food? How you gonna? How you gonna? Gourmet soul food?
1: What you mean? You could have a smothered. Chicken.
2: they already trying to spice it up with the mac and cheese over there at Popeye's.
1: They have good mac and cheese at Popeye's?
2: That mac and cheese, I think of my grandma going there every morning at 8 o'clock <laughs> and just make a little pan. Because <laughs> it's better than your average Thanksgiving macaroni, I'll tell you that.
1: Man, that's very interesting. Man, how in the world did you gourmet Sonic?
2: Come on, John, hey. that's a dessert that's a dessert bakery or something man.
1: Uh, Chick-fil-A Jacob C. says
2: nah not Chick-fil-A
1: I got Josh for the Motivational Business Banker said Burger King Burger King or, wouldn't taste game?
2: good gourmet A gourmet whopper no! gourmet onion fries
1: flame broil gourmet
2: but them patties is out the freezer Get fresh never frozen and then gourmet. They might have organic hundred percent USDB off the cow. You know what I mean? Wendy's man, Wendy's talk to me now.
0: Yeah.
2: Wendy done grew up. You know, she in a she in glasses and a suit, a suit jacket or something. Mm.
1: <laughs> okay, Roy, your fingers, I see you. He said culvers would smash it.
2: Culver's pretty good, but Culver's Gourmet is called Fresh's, Big Boy.
1: (laughs) Lilo Galante said, Gourmet Rallies.
2: That's a spot they got to stay Rallies.
1: What if they did a Gourmet Waffle House, bro?
2: It'll be better than anything Gordon Ramsay doing.
1: Gourmet Waffle House will give you not only the shrimp, but like shrimp and grits
2: yeah, you have to make reservations. You couldn't just right. walk up in there.
1: Jerk chicken and grits, fried catfish and grits. Yeah,
2: gourmet waffle house is like a club, like a like a up updated strip club, whatever. Well, that's with a nice ba- so basically you saying
1: basically that's Atlanta. <laughs> that's Atlanta. That's basically all you're saying. That's Atlanta.
2: Upgraded Waffle House. Atlanta what, Atlanta,
1: Atlanta gentlemen's clubs are basically waffle houses <laughs> with North entertainment. Bay. <laughs> Gourmet waffle houses, with entertainment? Lucky Lefty podcast. Never
2: know what you're gonna get.
1: Apple Podcast, Spotify, YouTube. Follow us, Lucky Lefty Podcast, CFB Nation, in conjunction with Irish Breakdown. You already know we spinach it different. Mm-hmm. <laughs>